If you've got your Bibles, grab them there. If you need a pew Bible, grab that one. That's fine. Exodus 15, where we'll be this morning. The Song of Moses, it's referred to. While you're turning there, I recognize there are some years where we celebrate Thanksgiving quite easily. Have you had some easy Thanksgiving years? We have. Business was good and relationships were intact. Not a lot of drama. (laughs) Healthy families. Things seemingly on the upswing for us. Maybe even you lost a few pounds to make some space for some Thanksgiving meal and dessert. (laughs) And then there are other years, right? There are years where we have to dig deep and put our big boy pants and big girl pants on and kind of uh, rise to the occasion to thank the Lord by faith and be happy with an act of faith because we're not looking at the seen things but the eternal things. Truth be told, key relationships are strained and that's putting it mildly. There's lots of drama. Job security is uncertain and we can't just do anything. We, we have, I don't know if you know this, we have five children. Have I mentioned that? And occasionally we have family or friends that will say, well, why don't you guys just, and then we can't just do hardly anything with that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a party of seven that we have to mobilize to just hop over, right? But you may not have five kids. You may be a single adult and in a season right now where you can't just pick up and do anything. This year, 2020, There are so many factors shaping our Thanksgiving celebrations this week. This year has not been easy on anyone. Some have suffered great loss. And I don't just mean the death of a loved one. Most of us know someone who's been adversely affected in more ways than one because of the ripples of this pandemic or the cure that's been put into place. Some have said goodbye to friends and family for reasons that have nothing to do with our current global situation. Still, some in this climate have good stress on them, but it's still stress. They've launched businesses. They have successfully navigated a major shift, either in responsibilities or even a career change. Whether good or bad, and probably both, It's been one for the books, hasn't it? 2020. And yet, as God's people, we are to set the tone for the nations and our neighbors with thankfulness. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul would write to a church that was doing well and that was loving well. He would say, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. After today, we're going to put a pin in our study of Exodus for a season. We'll come back to it, of course, but Advent kicks off next week. We talked about that in the early moments of our gathering this morning, and we'll spend some time in some New Testament books in early 2021, but while we're here, let's think about where we've been in the last couple of weeks. Here we are with God's chosen people, Israel. We've just crossed the Red Sea. 
Uh, we, we've seen Pharaoh's army wiped out. All that Israel had known for the past 400 years, generation after generation, has been the bondage of enslavement. And that's come to an end right in front of our eyes. Wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? We've seen God's people delivered. Now, if you've read the Exodus account or you know anything about it, you'll know that there's plenty of battle and bother ahead. Uh, successes and failures and victories and defeats and feasts and famines and the list goes on and on. And yet, let's live in the moment for a moment. After this incredible triumph, they will sing to the Lord and to one another about the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. This song of Moses that we are going to spend just a few moments with this morning is recorded here, is also mentioned in Revelation. I'll touch that in a moment, Revelation 15. It's a description, but it's also a prescription for singing from God's people. In fact, get your practice in, we'll actually sing this song in heaven, according to Revelation 15. Don't worry, they'll have lyrics on the screen or a hymn book, something. But singing has marked the gathering of God's people ever since here in Exodus, and it marks us today. One of the reasons that we flipped our service order around during this season was to accommodate singing for God's people with the data that we had access to. Now, before you check out and start checking your social media feeds and the scores because you think if he's preaching to singers, I'm out. Uh, um, some of you can't carry a tune in a bucket. It's okay. Uh, some of you don't even know where the bucket is. That's okay too. It's, this is a judgment-free zone this morning. We're not here to recruit for the platform. That's not what I'm talking about. But I want you to see this morning that everyone can and should sing. doesn't mean we're going to shove a mic in your face and get you on camera, but we must sing and we shall sing as a humble offering of praise in just a few moments, but more importantly, as an act of obedience. This song is theological, and it's supremely personal. In fact, our praise is at its best when it contains such rich theology made personal. Let's go back to Pastor D's message from a couple of weeks ago. The faithfulness of God to lead God's people, cloud by day, fire by night. Then we got to the Red Sea, God's glory in salvation we saw in chapter 14. And today, we're on the other side of the Red Sea. I don't think we have to hesitate to say for the Israelites, the title of the message this morning is, the Lord is worthy of praise. And we would say, yes, Israel, boom, you got this. However, my hope is this morning at the end of our time, you will see from this text, even from a pit, we can sing of the Lord's worth and praise. Let me give you your notes. You ready? First note for the first couple verses. We should sing. You should write that down somewhere, especially you non-singers. <laughs> Let it encourage your heart this morning. We should sing. We should sing the Lord's praise. Look with me back at verse 1 in chapter 15. You can look in your Bible. I'll have it on the screen as well. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing. You see Moses and the people, and then he says, I will sing. And then he gives some of the characteristics of that. Let me go to the end of the song in verses 20 and 21. Miriam, who is Moses' sister, 
She's estimated, I don't know what your vision is when you think of Miriam grabbing a tambourine and getting a shout out, (laughs) but she's about 90 here. Let's get the visual. Imagine Miss Jenny, right, grabbing a tambourine and leading us in a song of worship, dancing all over the place. That's, that's what's happening here with Miriam. She's older than Moses. She was already a little girl when Moses was drawn out of the water, remember? So conservatively, she's at least 90 here. And Miriam gets everybody together and sings to them the song of Moses. Moses and the people sing together. Miriam sings, we must Sing. What's the big deal about singing? Well, it is kind of a big deal. Everybody can do it. According to Buddy the Elf, the fastest way to spread Christmas cheer is... Let's see, let's do some responsive readings. I think we can quote uh, Buddy the Elf. We can... For those of you watching online, we don't have a response, Mike, but that was pretty much unison and, and uh, well done. Another quote there from Buddy the Elf on singing is, oh, well, it's just like talking except longer and louder, and you move your voice up and down. So if you say, I can't sing, it's just like talking except longer and louder, and you move your voice up and down. Enough of Buddy the Elf. Let's move on. What's a big deal about singing? Well, several weeks ago, I published a little note on our website on, it's like a glossary of what happens on a Sunday. I started thinking Grace Covenant has some distinctions when I talk to some other pastor friends and we begin talking about worship order, we talk about how our call to worship is to read God's word and to reflect and have a moment of quiet and reflection. And you'd be surprised how quickly that resonates, even with some contemporary churches that have the, uh, a different way to start the service, shall we say. High energy right out of the gate. And um, they go, oh, I like that. We couldn't do it at our church, but I really like that. So I'm really glad we could do it here. <laughs> But uh, why do we do the things that we do? So I, I put a glossary down there and uh, just to define some things in case you weren't raised in church or maybe you were raised in the Catholic church or the Presbyterian church or the Baptist church or the Pentecostal church or the non-denominational church or the church other than Grace Covenant and wonder why we do things that we do. It's there. We define what corporate singing or congregational singing is and here was the definition. It's the corporate singing of the truths of Scripture and praise to God and edification of Christ's church. Here's what the Bible says about us singing together. The Bible says in Psalm 95, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Well, you say, of course, the psalmist would sing. Well, in Ephesians 5, we're told not to get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing and making melody to the Lord with our hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and then the Bible says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Revelation 15, and they, us, where do they sing the song of 
Moses, the servant of God. They're singing at the beginning, in the middle, all throughout, and at the end. We should sing. Every believer should sing to the Lord, not because we have a good voice, but because the Lord is worthy of our praise, and he happens to like singing. Years ago, the book were published by a great Christian psychologist on love languages, learning our love languages, and it's become kind of just modern vernacular. We talk about learning each other's love language. If my wife doesn't respond well to gifts, and I keep buying her little gifts and think, she just doesn't appreciate me, right? I'm the one with the disconnect if I know that's not her love language. One of God's love languages for us is singing. He loves to hear us sing. He gave us a voice to sing. And the people of Israel had experienced this great, incredible triumph from God. And we say, hey, yeah, it makes sense that they would sing. Oh, church family, brother or sister, on this side of a resurrected Jesus, praise is the natural response of the supernatural people of God who have received God's grace. I don't care if you can sing on key, in key, or even can spell key. Let's sing together as the people of God. We must sing. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, not because you can't sing, but they'll know that you're singing about the Lord and will put their trust in the Lord. Our singing draws men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ. The song of Moses is not just mood, mood music, it is rich theology and personal expression. Number two this morning, not only should we sing, but we should sing to the Lord. We should sing to the Lord. Notice the personal nature of this praise. It's not generic. Let's look at the text. Verse six, look with me at the text. Your right hand, O Lord, he's singing to the Lord. They're all singing directly to the Lord. Your o right, right hand, O Lord, is gracious in power. Wow. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy in the greatness of your majesty. You overthrow your, do you see it? And the blast of your, verse 8, nostrils. Verses 11 through 13. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic, awesome, you stretched out, you have led, verse 13, in the steadfast love whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Not only was Israel's praise not generic, it was to the Lord. When we have songs that we sing together as a church on Sunday morning, when we gather, we have hymns that we sing. We have some praise music as well that we sing. There are some songs that sound like we're talking to one another about the attributes of God. That's appropriate. We're going to get to that in just a moment. And there are other songs that we sing where it's almost as if we are looking directly at the Lord and lavishing our love on Him, pouring out our praise on Him as if it were precious ointment and perfume. We sing 
to the Lord because it is right to do that. I got news for you. You can sing in the church. It's good to do, right? You can hide here, right? You can kind of, you don't have to be loud. I mean, I want you to make a joyful noise to the Lord, but if that's not your thing singing around where somebody else can hear you, still sing. Sing quietly, it's fine. But when you're by yourself in the car, let her rip. (laughs) I mean, just... Put on something else to listen to besides talk radio, which makes you angry by the time you get home. And uh, put on some good worship music and sing your heart out to the Lord. Your car will think it's the best singing it's heard in a long time. Not only should we sing to the Lord, but this great song here is about the Lord. We should sing about the Lord. We should sing to Him. We should sing about Him. And we should sing to one another about Him. The two little subpoints under this bullet. You're like, there's no way He's just going to give us three with no subpoints. I've got two little ones under here. It's quick this morning. Let's notice what's happening here. Go back and look with me at verses two and three. When we sing about the Lord, there's some glorious theology here. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. This is my God and I'll praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Notice what they're saying here. They're saying the Lord is their strength. Do you see it? He's my song. Do you see it? He's my salvation. He's the man of war. What's the application for us there, if you'll let me jump there. The observation's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of interpretation needed. The application jumps off the page to you and it says this, he's my strength. He's your strength this morning. If you are tapped out and have nothing left to give, God is your strength. Lean into him, 2 Corinthians 12. The Bible says, for the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses and insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong in Christ. You can be tapped out and still strong. He's our strength this morning. He's our song when I don't feel like singing The psalmist in Psalm 77 was lamenting, saying, has has the steadfast love forever ceased from God? Have his promises come to an end? The answer is no. Even when you don't feel like you have a song to sing, if you'll look at the cross outside the city on top of Golgotha and see our Lord and Savior hanging between two thieves, blood shed for the remission of our sins, if you'll look just a little ways off in the garden beautiful and peek around there and see the empty tomb. You ought to have a song to sing this morning. He's my salvation, my rescuer. He drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and made my steps secure. Church, we can sing about The Lord, he is their strength, song, salvation, and he's our strength, song, salvation, and he is fighting our battles for us. Jeremiah the prophet would say, they will fight against you, but they'll not prevail against you, for the Lord says, I am with you, and I'm with you to deliver you. To live is Christ. The battle's already been won. 
He's seated at the right hand of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll have a song to sing. I think there are two things we can sing about. There's a lot we can sing about. But how many know it's Sunday morning? We don't get to go over everything, even though some Sundays it may feel like we do. <laughs> this morning, just two little things. I think songs of his glory. We're very intentional. I'm so thankful for Julia and her thoughtfulness and the team's rehearsal and unity as they work to, to point us to the glory of our God. Hymns have a way of doing that. There's some modern-day hymns written that I think are incredible. There's some modern-day songs written that I think do unpack glory, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of really good hymns that point to the glory of God, and it's the reason we sing them. We're not trying to give you songs in here that you can get six and a half days a week on the radio, even on Christian radio. That's not our effort here. It's just to have a good feeling time. We're trying to stoke the fire in your heart to glorify the Lord and words matter and theology matters and we see some glorious theology right here in the song of Moses I'm going to give you a quick summary here and it's worth writing down we didn't read the whole song this morning we won't have time to read the whole song but let me encourage you to go back and read it you know how this works right you get homework every Sunday go back and read it with your notes study the text Let's look at some of this um, theology, the glorious theology here. I think I put a slide up there. Number one, we notice God's covenant in verse two. God's covenant is right there in verse two. It says, he's become, he is my God, my father's God. That's pointing to the covenant-keeping word of God. He's become my salvation. I will exalt him because of who he is. There's so much theology in this little song this morning. We see God's character here. I'll leave this slide up for just a moment so you can jot these down. God's covenant, God's character. I ran out of C's, Pastor D. You can help me later. But God's name, God's name in verse 4. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk into the Red Sea. The Lord's name is lifted high, transitioning into verse 4. God's work in verses 6 and 7 and 12 and 16. I'm not going to read it all to you. We see God's purpose here. All of this. While you're writing, let me ask you a question. Don't you think that would make some good music? <laughs> to sing of the Lord's character, his covenant, his name, his work, and his purpose? I'm not here to be critical of other songs or different things, but listen, I tell you, this is the kind of music my soul needs. And can I tell you something of all the funerals I've preached and I've sung in more funerals than I've preached in? Very few. I can count not only on one hand in the last 20 years of me being in vocational ministry, there have maybe been two what I would call contemporary songs requested at a funeral service by young and old why is that because rich songs of great and deep theology nourish our souls in ways that sometimes an emotional journey can we need music like this we need music written like this today and i praise god that it is being written like this today by some great writers what a glorious God. Glorious theology and supremely personal gratitude. I think we ought to sing of the Lord's glory, secondly, of his salvation.
salvation. I mentioned that just a moment ago. He redeems his people. Verse 13 said, You've led us in your steadfast love, the people whom you have redeemed. You'll bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary which you've established. You will reign forever and ever. All right, maybe if you need to move your shoulders around for a second, do that. I want to read a quote to you. It's not mine. I want to read a quote to you from a great theologian. He wrote this on exalting uh, the Lord here in Exodus. Douglas Stewart writes this. He says, a grand theme of Scripture, stay with me for just a moment, appears to this point in the song, even though God has graciously, graciously come at many times in many ways, most fully in Christ, to the place where we are, it seems to be God's plan to get his people to where he is. You see that? You see it here. They're getting out. They're heading to the promised land. Got it? The story of ancient Israel mirrors this. Let me hasten ahead. The same sort of thing happens for us in Christ, yet on a greater scale. God calls those of us who believe in him out of where we have been born and are living on earth, binds us to him in the new covenant by believing in Jesus, and leads us to his holy dwelling in heaven why in the world would i quote that guy saying that about this passage it's kind of a duh statement in it here's what i want you to see this is about a moment in time that happened after they got out of the red sea but brother and sister we have experienced a greater exodus than they could have dreamed of we should have a greater song than they do here We're going to forever sing the praise of our God and King. Our souls ought to cry out in the midnight hour, even from the pit. Worthy is the Lord. The song of Moses is theological, and it's supremely personal. Good worship music is sound theologically, and it is supremely personal, and we offer that here every day. Sunday that we gather our praise is at its best when it contains such rich theology made personal I wonder in the midst of all that you've been through this year can you still say the Lord is worthy You're going to struggle to say that if you fix your eyes on everything going on around you all the time. You're going to struggle to say that if you feel like God owes you health, wealth, or position, treasures that will fade away. You're going to struggle too if your perspective is only to survive the here and now without eternity in view. You want to know the truth though? Can I tell you something? Everybody in this room struggles. All of us do. You think of the most spiritual person you can think of in this room, and if you could spend a week with them, they would walk you through struggle. Where they take their eyes off of Jesus and get worried or concerned about something. All of us struggle. But when we get into the Word and let the Word get into us, 
by hearing and reading and studying and memorizing and meditating on Scripture. We can fix our eyes on Jesus and ask the Lord to fill us with His Holy Spirit so that we can walk with the Lord. If we've got the Word and the Spirit, it's not hard to praise. Listen, if the Lord can create a universe with the Word of His mouth and the span of His hands, if He can open blinded eyes and unstop deaf ears and cause the lame to leap, He can help you sing. And He wants you to. This week, all of us will have a thanksgiving that we didn't see coming last year. We'll have a thanksgiving that we won't soon forget. And many of us are not doing the things this week that we normally get to do for one reason or another. All of us will have a different experience this year in some distinct way or another. My challenge to all of us this morning as the body of Christ Moses' challenge to us from Exodus this morning, the Lord's challenge to us is to live, to love, to speak, to pray, and to sing like our Lord is worthy of praise. Sing to the Lord. Sing about the Lord. He's glorious. He saved us. He's worthy of praise that is rich in theology but very personal. Stand with me this morning. Father, we come to you this morning crying out, identifying really easily with Israel this morning, recognizing that battles have been fought and won this year, even though some of us may be in the thick of one now. Battles have been fought and won this year, Lord. We're grateful. Our soul looks back and wonders at how you got us over. <laughs> and so today, Lord, we want to sing right now as a group, as a body, as an assembled church. We're about to lift our voices in song. Some have this incredible gift and talent of singing, and some of us don't. And none of that matters when we gather like this to lift our voices in song because we're not here to get attention or to give attention to anyone but you. You, O oh Lord, are worthy of our praise. Let the church say amen. Let's sing together.